on today's episode of Chapters. And I was on the train by myself in the dark reading Silence of the Lambs. Don't do that. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com chapters. There you'll find over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to Chapters, the podcast where we hear the stories of readers' lives through the books that have meant the most to them. I'm Mary Mahoney, and today my guest is Katie, a co-host of the A Date with Dateline podcast. I was listening to their show, which recaps episodes of Dateline and is also somehow super funny, and I heard Katie mention that she once started reading crime profiler books and studies of serial killers when her own sister found out that a man she barely knew was a murderer with a history of abducting women who came close to abducting her. When Katie's sister told her about this, she dealt with this news in part by reading crime profiler books and fiction like Silence of the Lambs. I asked Katie to come on the show to talk about this time and tell us more about her life as a reader. This is her story. I'm excited. I'm really happy to have you on the show. Oh, thanks. I don't know how interesting I'm going to be. I do. I do. Did have a one very interesting period of reading. So, well, I can't wait to That's hear about sure. it. Um, before we get to that, maybe we can just talk a little bit about your life as a reader before. So maybe you could tell me a little bit about where you're from and what kind of things you read growing up. What was important to you? Well, I grew up in Visalia, California, which is, if you know California at all, there's sort of this, I call it the death pit or the armpit. And it's because um, when people think of California all the time, they think of beach or mountains or, you know, beautiful places. But there's this really terrible section in the middle of California called the Central Valley where Fresno and Bakersfield are. And that's where I grew up. Um, it's really, it's bad. There's a lot of drugs. It smells like cows. The water tastes weird. It's odd. So that's where I grew up. Um, and uh, I went to the library actually quite a bit as a kid. My mom was a really big reader and there was one library in our county and it was actually a really nice library. It's so the town itself was not a place you'd describe as pretty, but the library was gorgeous, which is kind of nice. I have really fond memories of being in there because it was really dark. Um, and it was sort of, I don't know, it was just, it was sort of a magic place. Um, and so then when I was, I would say, oh, probably all through like elementary school, my mom used to bribe me with um, reading because I was not allowed to have candy. But if I read a book, I would get a candy bar of my choice. So oh, that's wow. really probably how I got into reading. And there was one summer that I think I was going through two or three Nancy Drews a day because they were the easiest to get through. So I would. <laughs> so it wasn't just... about the book. It was just about getting the candy. It was about the candy. But my mom was smart because it definitely then got me in the mode of reading. Right. So then I liked it. It was not a chore to read, especially not Nancy Drew. You know, Nancy Drew is fun. They're perfect mysteries for somebody who's like nine. You know, they're great. Yeah. Um, and then I was really into comic books. So mm -hmm. I read, my mom would take me to the used bookstore. And you know, the Peanuts bound books, the Charlie Brown, they're like in little volumes. Mm -hmm. They're not, 
they're an actual book. They're not the the floppy pages. Um, I have I still have my collection actually, and I have oh oh I don't know. I think at one point I had almost fifty. I mean, I have quite a few oh, wow. of those little comic books, and then I have. I, I those didn't count towards my candy bar, but those were sort of what I would read in my fun time. And then I graduated to Archie when I was a little bit older. Oh, I would get yeah. Archies at the grocery store, the Double Digest, and all that. Yeah, yeah. What appealed about I, Archie comics? Um, I think because I was a little bit older, as you're getting into like, oh, when was I, that? Must have been going into junior high that I got really excited about Archie because. I don't know. Their world seems really nice, right? Yeah. Archie, Archie lives in like a really cool town. He has like sort of the perfect American teenage experience. And I was sort of an ugly, weird kid. And so I think I liked that. I think it was fun. I don't know. It was fun to read about, but I think it was the same thing about Nancy Drew, right? Nancy Drew had everything together. Right. She was really smart and sassy. Except when she got herself chloroformed multiple times. That's true. <laughs> I didn't mean to bark at you yet. No, no, no. It's... Just had to That's throw that true. out there. Well, oh, I, I wonder if my mom still has my Nancy Drews. Honestly, I would reread them. I would do it. I'm... Yeah. Because I was pretty into it. I also would pick out, this is sort of how I am in real life. I, I deal a lot in wardrobe and clothing. And so I, I would also, do while I would read the Nancy Drews, I would get one of those butter, they're called butterick or simplicity, the pattern books. And they're, they're large and they have all like the, for sewing patterns. And they have all these sort of cartoon drawings of, of ladies in dresses or ladies in tops and separates, things like that. And I would pick out what Nancy Drew was wearing when I was reading it. Oh, wow. So I would say, okay, in this scene, she's going to wear this. And then I'd mark the page. And, yeah. That's so neat. I've never <laughs> like heard of somebody doing that before. No, it was really, I think, and so then when I would read, I would visualize in the scene that she was wearing that outfit that I had picked out for her. Wow. Would you ever take it to a place of, like, wanting to try to dress, like, any characters you were reading about? Or it was just, like, looking at the pattern books? Say again? Were you ever trying to take it to a place of reading or, like, wearing clothes that you thought a character would wear? Or was it just looking in the pattern books? It was just all imagination stuff, actually. No, because we didn't have access to a ton of... It was a smaller town, so there wasn't a lot of shopping. And I was sort of... I think more than anything, I was from a really conservative family, so I was told what to wear. It was like, okay, you're going to wear this. So it was a way for me to dress somebody in my head that you know I wasn't able to dress like that. Hmm. But it was like, okay, she's going to wear high heels like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was a kid, you know. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It was you like a. It's a. Basically, if you combined reading and paper dolls, that's what I was doing. That's really cool. That's really cool. <laughs> you said before that you were a weird kid. What made you a weird kid? Um, I had a pretty big imagination, obviously, and so. I mean, there was a long period of time that I. I've seen some video where I was surprised that I was speaking in a British accent for a lot of my childhood. And I, I don't know why, first of all, I don't know why someone didn't stop me. Didn't sure. say, Hey, sure. that's kind of weird. I mean, there's, 
so many videos and I'm just just going no explanation for it. just and speaking then, with a british accent no and like fully with with conviction just like that was my normal speaking voice and so I think I was a, I was just a little bit um a little bit odd yeah but I had a lot of friends I just was you know I was that friend yeah. that you would play those kind of games with it was it was not the friend that you'd probably go over and I don't know if you came to my house we were going to play dress up or we were going to do something that was we were going to put on a musical and we were going to write it it was that kind of it was that kind of thing so yeah. it was very it was very imaginative yeah but then you know when you're like that you only have certain kinds of friends right yeah mostly great kinds yeah i did have some good ones i got lucky for yeah. sure so it's interesting then that you were reading about people that now some people call kind of square or I guess air quotes normal, like Nancy Drew and right. Archie. Uh-huh. And I was really, and I liked it. I was very, I was very, very into it for sure. Yeah. So where do you go next in your reading life? What else was important to you? Oh, where did I go in high school? Um, when did I start reading Kurt Vonnegut? I got really excited about, I had a Kurt Vonnegut period where, I read a lot of Kurt Vonnegut over and over. I feel like I read it multiple times. Um, I don't know why. Hmm. I don't know what got me into that, but I was, was something about the, like the humor and the humanity in his books that I really, I, I connected with. I think it was probably high school hmm. that I was doing that. And then, and where did I go? Then, then I didn't read for a while because in college you're forced to read. So then I didn't read anything for fun for a minute. <laughs> and did you not and like any of the things the you were... experience that happened to my sister happened. And then it threw me into a true crime phase. And that was a big phase. Yeah. So I want to get into that. So college was sort of unremarkable. You were just reading things that you were assigned and none of that really made too much of an impression on you. No. And I was a theater major, so I was really busy. So it's a lot of plays, lots of things like that. Got it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then lots of Shakespeare did Shakespeare for a long time. So, well, that counts. I mean, yeah, that was my specialty. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> what drew you to Shakespeare? Um, oh, I gotta be honest. I, I think cause I could do it. It was something I was good at was that. So it was the, the dialect, the way the iambic pentameter, the way that the, the prose is written, the mm -hmm. way that Shakespeare is, I was, it was something that came naturally to me to perform. And so that's where I got interested in it is because it was, you know, when you find out you're naturally good at something, then you sort of dig into it a little deeper. And so then I just, I don't know, I, I really, I got into it and the characters are so dramatic, you know, there's oh, so yeah. much drama. And so that's fun. And especially if you're, you know, in college and away from home at the, for the first time and you're going through boyfriends and whatever Shakespeare's got a lot for you <laughs> oh, like yeah. let's be real yeah <laughs> and look you'd already put in the years do learning the accent so so I was good yeah I you was, were ready. I was ready yeah yeah for sure and I and I ended up actually going pretty far in Shakespeare I I taught Shakespeare for for a summer camp for kids like I I was pretty into it for a minute I haven't been back to it in years but yeah mm. That was a, boy, I had some funny phases. Now that you're asking me all these questions, I didn't even think about it. Yep. Very cool. 
Um, so not to make an awkward transition, but <laughs> I mean, I am very curious about this period in your life yes. when your sister was involved in kind of a crazy traumatic episode. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if you're, if you'd be willing to tell us about it. I will. And so I guess I should ask you how much you want to know about the actual event. Uh, whatever you're willing to share. I mean, I'm, I'd love to know everything. Okay. And you can use what, what you want to use. Um, it's a little bit creepier than I thought. I spoke with my sister Okay. Uh, yeah. last week and I did a refresher course. So you can use what you want to okay. out of it. Um, so this was in uh, around 2000, early 2000s, um, the aughts. Isn't that terrible? Sorry, I just, <laughs> side note, when people yeah. call it the aughts, I, I hate just, it. come on. Yeah, it's a that's mess. Real, that's real, that's like schedule. Um, so <laughs> my sister was going to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, which is uh, sort of on the central coast in California. Um, it's this really pretty, sleepy beach town that a lot of people don't know about. It's actually fantastic. Uh, I would retire there if I could. It's gorgeous. Um, so she was in she was in school, and I was in school in Santa Barbara. So I was about two and a half hours away from her when all this was happening. And, oh, also, I should also say, my sister and I are very close in age. We are uh, 20 months apart. So we're, we're about as close to twins as you can get, and we're very close. Um, so... What happened was there were two, two girls that went missing in the San Luis area, and it was kind of a big deal. They were, of course, we, like what you would imagine, we get a lot of media coverage. The girls are in their early 20s. They're college students or just out of college, blonde, both blonde, um, sort of beach girls, you know. So it was a big deal when they went missing. My sister at the time was working at a deli while she was in school and there was a guy that would come in all the time. Um, pretty much she said every time that she was working and he would bring her flowers and he would write her, um, I don't know, give her notes. He just really, really liked her. So uh, there was one story that she told me with him and his name is Rex Krebs. And she never really had any interest in him. The, she told me, he, this is a quote from my sister Riley, he's, he's too short, is what she said. And <laughs> that's not derogatory. We're both extremely tall. So she's just, she was being a dork. Um, but so, I know. He, uh, there was a point when they all went out to a bar together, her and her friends, and... Rex was at the bar with his girlfriend at the time. And so that's an interesting part of the story that Rex had a girlfriend. And they went to this bar that was kind of out in the sticks. There's this sort of, uh, I, I don't know what to call it. It's not, it's not sand dunes, but it's sort of beachy dunes with some green. And it's a bar way out, at, way out in this isolated part of these dunes. And that was kind of the appeal of this bar for college kids. So Riley went out with her friends. Rex is there with his girlfriend. Riley and her friend get in a fight at the bar. Riley leaves the bar. And she starts walking down this really long, deserted road. Because she's like, it's that, like, you know, she's 23. She's drunk. She's mad. She got in a fight with her friend. And she's like, I'm just going to walk home. And so she starts walking. 
and she gets this really, really, really bad feeling, and she starts running because she's like, this is weird. She felt like someone was watching her, something was going on. She starts running, and as she's running down the road, one of her friends pulls up and sees her and takes her home. So cut forward to the next week, the FBI come and talk to my sister at her work. And she ended up talking to the FBI quite a bit because before Rex is incarcerated, they're looking at him for the possible disappearance of these two girls. And they're looking also at my my sister because my sister looks almost identical to these two girls. They're all very similar. Um, And so the, the FBI says they want to know everything about him. Riley gives them a little information. I think she gives them his girlfriend's information as well. And about, I would say, a month after that, they have Rex is arrested. And he's arrested for and accounted on and indicted on 10 counts. Um, I believe it was two counts of first degree murder, two counts of kidnapping, two counts of it was some sort of unfortunately pretty gnarly sexual assault um and they and the two girls were buried on his property so they were buried in his backyard oh my god and i think (laughs) i think the part of the story that scared me the most was when riley told me when i was in college she she didn't tell me everything but she did tell me the story about her going out to the bar and having the bad feeling and then when she refreshed my memory about it, what had happened was she found out later that Rex had actually left the bar right after her and had gone looking for her <gasps> and was just sitting and waiting for her to walk by. Oh, my God. So he had parked a little bit further down this deserted road. And if her friend hadn't come up from behind and grabbed her, she would have run right past him and he would have grabbed her. <gasps> so, I mean, she was... Minutes away. Minutes oh away. God. So that's, I think, what scared me. But she also never told me. I knew that the girls were buried on his property, but she did not tell me that he had held them for a couple days. And that, or maybe she did, and <laughs> I just didn't remember, but she did refresh my memory on that. I sort of had thought it was a very different situation. I, in my head, because I've read a lot now about serial killers and I've seen a lot, I I'd sort of thought it was a very, for lack of a better term, a quick kill. So, you know, that their life is taken very quickly once they run into the, the murderer. Um, but this was not the case with Rex Krebs. He was kind of a monster or he was a monster. And he was also turned come to find out a drug addict. So there were, there were issues and to come to find out he was in prison and Riley had apparently known that he had been in prison, but he lied about why he had been in prison. He had been in prison for 10 years. He had said it was some sort of a fight. It was a fight with, with a female and the judge had basically thrown the book at him. Turns out he had, I mean, he had really done a, he had kidnapped a girl and held her, and injured her, and hurt her, but he didn't kill her. But he was only given 10 years for that. I That's couldn't insane. believe it. That's crazy. I know. I know. I don't, 
I tell you, I do not understand. I, I, I still, no matter how much Dateline I watch and no matter how much I read on it, I don't understand the justice system. Yeah. I don't. I don't know why it's so, and it's so fluid depending on who your judge is. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's yeah. fascinating to me. So that's the story. Um, so it was pretty, I think it was really scary for her at the time. She was really close to having a brush. And she, she said she stayed pretty active, actually, during the entire trial and during the period when, um, like, after he was incarcerated. She still kept in touch with the FBI and was still talking to them and, and the lawyers on both sides, the prosecution and the defense. She said she spoke with both of them. And I didn't know that. So she was pretty involved. Wow. So she wasn't yeah. like, I mean, if that happened to me, I can't even believe, imagine how I would respond, but I think I would be so paralyzed by fear. I wouldn't be able to, like, I'd be afraid to leave my house. Like if I came that close. Well, that's what I thought, but she, you know, and she, she tells me at the time, actually what happened was she, she had a very long-term boyfriend. I, I remembered around this period. And she said the timeline actually of her beginning to date this person that she dated for a really long time was immediately during and following. So when I think they met the week he was arrested. And so she said that actually really helped her. And I was surprised because I was sort of like, I mean, I, I guess it makes sense if you're living alone and then all of a sudden you meet a partner and have him move in that might make you feel safer. Mm -hmm. She said it was basically the perfect timing. It couldn't have been a more perfect timing for her to meet him. Um, but yeah, but I don't, I mean, I don't know. I still think I would be scared regardless as if I had someone living in the house with me because it's just walking down the street. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. out of nowhere, it seems like this guy is, stealing yeah. women off the street I mean, and maybe she blocked it maybe she blocked it a little yeah. bit so maybe she just it was so scary that she just couldn't she shut it down that's mm. what i mean that's probably what i would have done so i don't know so where were you in all of this like where were you when this was happening and then how did you respond i was to in it? i was in santa barbara so i was close i was about two and a half hours away and it was weird because she didn't tell me until it was wrapping up she told me about it when, well, not wrapping up, but during the trial process, she told me about what was happening. And mm -hmm. yeah, I got really, really, I was, I was actually sort of mad when she told me, I remember that. Mad at her. I was mad. For not telling I was, you. I, I was mad that, yeah, she didn't tell me. And then I was also mad. I, for some reason, I was mad that she had left the bar. I was like, why did you don't do that? It's this deserted. I know it, where the bar is. It's not, it, it's not populated. She was so close that I think my, my, my scaredness for her and my love for her just translated into, to, I'm mad at you. Why did you walk by yourself? Don't do that. Haven't you, have you like, have you seen any movies? Don't do that. <laughs> right. What, right. I think that's why I was mad because it was so, it was too close. Right. For yeah. him to have been able to grab her. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah. Um, but so then I started for some reason that just, I decided that I needed to maybe go into criminal profiling. 
or something like that. Because I think that was the big part of it is that this person had been coming to visit her. Rex had been coming to visit her for months, bringing her flowers, doing all this stuff. And Riley said, he's so nice. Katie, you never would have known. He is the nicest guy. And I was like, I've heard this before with serial killers, that they're the nicest person. No one ever suspected them. And then they keep bodies in a barrel. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Like, then they... So, but that's an interesting point zombies, is like, so nice. what, what did you know about serial killers before one tangentially entered your life? Um, I mean, I think I knew sort of as much as the next person. It wasn't probably something that I sought out. Uh, but I, I always liked scary movies and things like that. So probably most of it was fiction. I didn't really know a lot about any true crime that that much i knew names i knew who charlie manson was obviously like you know who certain people are through osmosis because you're just you know who you know you read one-offs but then i sort of got into trying to figure out how these people became the way that they are because it was the one thing that rex said uh i think there's a there's an id special or an a and e special and it's called the monster inside me something like that because he had actually used, he had said the quote, I'm a monster. He said, I'm a monster. He has full remorse. He's not a sociopath. He's, he actually does feel remorse for what he's done. He knows. Huh. But he's like, there's something wrong with me. And so that, I think, fascinated me. And I wanted to look into it and see what, what's happening. What's the psychology behind, behind this that would, because everybody has their dark places, Right. So why his dark place is just so much darker, so much, you know, yeah. and then, and then, and then he went to prison. And so he, he had already acted on this impulse of sexual, sexual assault, right. To hurt, to, to capture a girl, hold her as his own and hurt her. And then he went to jail for 10 years and comes out and he murders. So that was fascinating to me too, that it had, it, I mean, it was, it's the classic story. It ramped it up. Yeah. He'd spent his time in prison being like, okay, here's how I'm going to execute this. And these two girls went missing fairly quickly in the time frame. Fairly, I mean, it wasn't one girl went missing one, one year, one girl went missing the next. I mean, it was in a few month period. Girls were, he had just started to enact this plan, whatever that might be. Oh, and the worst part about it, keep in mind, he had a girlfriend the whole time she was pregnant <gasps> oh yeah. my god i could not imagine i could not even imagine and riley said i think riley contacted her because riley knew her they were i mean they had hung out so riley was trying to and how did that go when she reached out to her fine i think she said that the girl moved really quick that she left and that she just honestly didn't want to talk yeah. She wanted to, she wanted to start over and that's what you do, right? You just start over. You'd have to. You do you never, think she told yeah, the never, child who the father was? I'm really curious. I asked Riley that too. She thinks she probably did. Wow. Um, but I, I don't know if I would, I don't, I don't have kids though, but I don't think I would. Oof. Oof. That's tough. I know. Yeah. So anyway, sorry. That was a side note. It was a good one. It's a very good one. But it's kind of interesting that you were, like, in college 
being an actress, doing Shakespeare, and then in a, like this oh. happens, and it's like I want to be a criminal profiler. Uh-huh. In some ways, like you took a method actor approach, and I totally did. Yeah, started reading. Who knows what? I mean, where did you? So, how did you approach this? You make this decision because you're so freaked out, un- quite understandably, that this crazy, insane thing happens. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. do you do? Um, so I went to, I think I went to the library again, which is funny because this is definitely in a time frame when you can order books, but I, I didn't. I remember going to the Santa Barbara library because it was walkable from my house. And I got uh, pretty much like every book I could find on profiling. And there was also at the time something on A&E that they were doing a serial killer week. It was a full week of it. So it was really close to the time that Riley told me what had happened. So I was watching and then I would see people on there and see if they had a book. That's what I was doing. <laughs> like, oh, okay, this person's being interviewed. Do they have a book? So um, I think my biggest... <sighs> I would say I I was really, I remember being into John Douglas, who is probably the biggest one and writes a lot about his experiences as a, as a profiler. And then, but I also did read a lot of fiction at this time too. And I don't know what that was. I'm not going to try to psychoanalyze myself, but then I did also read, I, I don't know if it's because it scared me and I wanted to scare myself worse. So it didn't seem as bad what happened to Riley. So I read a lot. I read all Thomas Harris, which have you read Thomas Harris? I haven't. So maybe you can tell me what it's like. Um, so it's the silence of the lambs series and there's the three, there's the red dragon, silence of the lambs and Hannibal. Um, they are terrifying. They're terrifying books. They're just, they're so much scarier than the, the actual film. And the film is great. I think Silence of the Lambs is a fantastic film. Um, I'm also just, I love Jodie Foster. So that's Worse. that. Yeah. I was going to ask, because I've, I've seen the movies. I haven't read the books. So they're, they're, I don't know. It's something about it. It's, it's like he takes the worst thing you can, th- it's the worst thing you can think of and he writes it. So it's just terrifying. And then it takes it. But it's not, it's not like sometimes I feel like, especially in film, there's, there's stuff that just goes for the shock value. Mm-hmm. He does it in a very poetic way. It's shocking, but it's very beautifully written. So it's like when you watch a horror movie, sort of like The Cell. So The Cell is t- like a scary, scary story, but it's shot in this romantic, fantastical way. So that's kind of what Thomas Harris, I feel like, does with his novels. He mm. writes it in a way that you, the the terrifying nature of it sneaks up on you. So and then it, it's just scary. So did that work then, reading Silence of the Lambs? Did that freak you out more than what actually happened to your sister? Yes. I don't think it was healthy, and I wouldn't recommend it. But <laughs> yes, it did help. Because you fill your head with all these other scary, scary things that aren't real. So, and I, you know that Silence of the Lambs is not real. Even though I believe that the FBI character that's in Red Dragon is might be mi- based on John Douglas. I'm not sure. Hmm. But 
I think there's definitely, and then I read a lot of Stephen King immediately following. And Stephen King is not as scary as Thomas Harris. And I love The Shining is still one of my favorite books. I think The Shining is a fantastic book. Why? Why do you love it so much? Um, I don't know. I have, I think I love the way that it's written. I really like that you get inside Jack's head. And I loved, I loved the film and I never thought I would like the book. And then I read the book and I liked it more. Hmm. So I have no, I don't know what that's, I don't know why I love it so much. Hmm. It's something about, it's something about it. And it's very, um, it's that slow build. I really like a slow, slow build and the shining does it better than any. And also I did. Oh, that's what I read in high school. I read a lot of Christopher Pike and R.L. Stein, a lot, <laughs> all of them, probably. Wow. And so the grown-up version of it. So I guess I did have a little bit of interest in that, but it was, you know, it was only for a few years that I read those, and I really liked them, and I was excited. That was after Nancy Drew. I graduated from Nancy Drew to, there you go, teen, uh, yeah. teen scary novels. <laughs> what are those called? What are those called, the young adult? I guess, although I don't think it was called that when, like, we were that age i don't know what was it it's called young adult horror what i don't even know what you'd call it sure they're not that scary (laughs) young i don't know (laughs) yeah and so what was the crime profiling books what were they doing for you at that time like what were you taking away from that um well they're really good for people that haven't read the, those kind of books, they're really interesting. And there's one specifically that outlines um, different really popular serial killers. So, or not popular, popular is not the right word I want to use. Famous, infamous serial killers like Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, oh, okay. And so they talk about, it's interesting because when you look at somebody like Jeffrey Dahmer is a really good example. Um, It's a difficult, they can get so far in the profile and then it's, it's almost like you, no matter how much, no matter how much you study or anything, how much you think, you know, human nature, how much, how many things you think, you know, about the person that's committing these crimes. I feel like they can't, they can't get all the way there. I mean, Jeffrey Dahmer was almost caught three times and he was just sort of let go on the street. So the profiler, especially the people in the early days of profiling, they're looking into, they're trying to educate everyone on what you're looking for. And this is what you're looking for. But I don't, after reading all these books, I don't, I don't know how far you can actually get. I think you can get to a certain place but I, I don't know if anyone's ever really just been caught by a profile hmm. I don't I don't know how I think it's helpful because then yes you can rule people out that are potential suspects and things like that but it wasn't I don't know and I guess I guess in my head when I was reading about profiling it was like well we'll be safer we'll be safer because we'll know how to spot certain actions or certain things but I mean if honestly if a serial killer was really somebody I knew I don't know I don't know how you'd know besides 
at the end of the day, being really intuitive and having a really good gut to be able to say something's not right here. I don't know how much an actual detailed profile is going to help. Like, okay, he's going to probably have a job in this kind of field and this kind of thing. And I don't know. But I mean, you know, when you meet somebody and they're wrong, yeah, something's off. And that's what always, that's why Ted Bundy was so successful is because he was so charming. The profile, like, yeah. And you would, and the profile on him is a loner and he was not a loner at all. He was really engaging and really charming and really good with the ladies. Totally different than the person that they thought was committing those crimes. Hmm. And I mean, wouldn't that freak you out even more though? I mean, when something, when basically like your sister was so close to crossing paths with this guy who was sitting waiting for her and then to read that basically even the best criminal profiler may not have been able to have picked up on this guy's behavior wouldn't that if you started reading these books to kind of well that was yeah that was my own conclusion though I think they they I mean profiling is still a really big thing and I know it does help in certain circumstances but my own conclusion on it is at the end of the day I don't think Riley could have Riley had bad instincts she didn't and she didn't know and I I think yeah, it probably didn't do what it was supposed to do. I thought it was going to be very empowering, and it maybe didn't go the way I wanted it to. <laughs> well, how did it, it? How did it go? I mean, um, well, it didn't really scare me uh, anymore, uh, and I think that was just the timing of everything that happened. Um, so, the problem again with having a big imagination too is then, and then reading all of this true crime stuff is you you just your mind gets pretty worked up and and I think when my mind started getting too picked up is um, worked up is when I switched to fiction. I think that was probably the logical progression, and I didn't realize it till just now, hmm. but then sort of immediately following all of this, we had a tragedy in our family, and there's nothing that sort of snaps you out of this of one sort of mindset than having something very real happen right oh i'm sorry so no no it's all right it's just we had we were faced with a an illness and so and it was major and so it definitely i think yeah i think that that I don't know where it would have gone had that not happened. I don't honestly know. I may have gone in a completely different career choice, to be honest. Hmm. I may have actually started because I do know that at the time that I, when I was reading all of this and doing all of this research, I was working, actually my college job was working at a law firm. And so I was thinking I was moving in different career paths and this is hilarious for a theater major but I was really considering you know I was really considering changing changing the course of my life and going into and going into some sort of I don't yeah I wasn't FBI but some sort of possibly just going into the police force and just becoming a detective I was yeah it was it was pretty intense and then and then I sort of got snapped out of it by something else. Huh. So, but I don't know. I wonder. I wonder if I would have gone into it. That's crazy. Maybe. Yeah. 
I don't know, but I don't. And then I was also very heavily into researching how you get into the FBI and the CIA. It's kind of it's kind of difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think in a lot of cases you have to sort of be recruited. I did years later meet a friend who was recruited, and I was I grilled her. I was like, I want to know everything. What did, what did you learn? You? Yeah, what did you uh, learn? Okay, well, I did learn. They reached out to her because she was a language major. It was something because she spoke um, languages, I guess, is one of the big ways to get in. Mm. If you and so she said that the background, the background check is crazy. And the background check starts, I think, the minute they start speaking to you, if it hasn't already started. So it's not even if you're being considered. It's when they're just talking to you. Oh, wow. And she said it goes back. I mean, it really does literally go back to they'll talk to pe- your roommate freshman year of college that you haven't spoken with in a decade. Oh, my God. And ask them questions. Yeah. Yeah, it's really intense. But I don't know. I mean, I don't even know how that would work in this day and age, because what are they looking for to see if anybody ever did hard drugs? I don't know. I yeah. sort of I, I'm going to call her and ask her again to tell me about it. I don't remember. <laughs> so did but she go good. through with it? Like, no. did she go in? No, oh. she did become a lawyer, though. Got and it. I do, I got to say this. I will say this. I am suspicious sometimes that she did go through with it. Oh. And she just hasn't told me. Like, maybe or she, she just... went, like, CIA. So she can't well, tell you. She's also, she's a lawyer for the government. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. She's a she's a prosecutor. She's a federal prosecutor. And my she says that she works in one very specific area, but it's definitely an area that people probably wouldn't ask a lot of questions about because it's complicated. It's um labor law. Got it. So it's all has to do with unions and things like that. And I mean I know very little about unions, but oh I don't know. What do you think? Do you think she's in it? I, she might be I in mean, it. you're you're creating enough suspicion around this that I'm willing to believe absolutely anything you say. Oh boy! All right, I gotta find out. Yeah, I may have just blown her cover. I think you just blew her cover, but <laughs> I think what you should do is call her and hit her with the British accent on the phone. Oh my god! Did you what a bad one. Tap you into your do... talents. Tap no, into your training. Bad. It's got to be cocky. Hello, governor. Oh I was god. wondering, like, just bad. I'm gonna yeah. do it badly. So uh-huh. she, yeah, that's what it has bad. to be. That's what it has to be. Uh-huh. And then you oh. kind of hit her with some of your profiling <laughs> skills. Yeah, yeah. I'll be like, well, sounds. This sounds like he's in his early 20s. Oh, and that's the thing. Oh, that always drove me nuts. Why are they always the same? It's always the same profile. Like the first five things are always the same. And then the age varies a little bit, but it's usually like late 20s, white male. Okay. Of course. Of course. Every time. And by the way, have you listened to the Atlanta Monster podcast yet? Just side note. I don't. Should I? Should I listen to that? I don't know. Do you listen to a lot of true crime podcasts? I listen to some. I mean, I have to be honest that my best friend who turned me onto your show, she listens. She's addicted to true crime podcasts, so she would probably know more about it than I would. Really? But okay. I mean, I have to hold myself back because I do get scared. 
pretty oh, easily. Oh, I'm sorry. I hope I didn't scare you. No, 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 okay. no. You're fine. You're good. Yeah, but... don't read Thomas Harris. I will tell you that no, straight up. Can't don't do that. because and I, one of them I read. Good lord, I think I read Silence of the Lambs on a train. I was. I wow. remember going on an Amtrak and I was going up to like back down to Santa Barbara from somewhere in California. And I was on the train by myself in the dark reading Silence of the Lambs. Don't do that. That's I, unnecessary. You just put I don't yourself know I right that. in that situation. I oh, mean, yeah. For our chapters listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. If you visit audible.com and sign up for a free 30-day trial, you can download an audiobook for free. Why not check out The Silence of the Lambs, read by none other than Kathy Bates? Just don't read it alone, in the dark, on a train, like Katie. Just thinking about that is freaking me out. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com chapters. Again, that's audibletrial.com chapters for your free audiobook. Oh, no, it's terrible. And I was living alone in a studio apartment at the time. Right. Oh, and that, by the way, might have been something that snapped me out of it a little bit, too. I do remember during this phase, I had a really bad dream. And I know that sounds really stupid, but it was very real. It was a very scary dream. And I I remember pieces of it, but not the whole thing. Okay. And I do remember that quickly after that, I also, I sort of... I didn't read it. The next book I read was not scary. The next book I picked, I think I picked Madame Bovary. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, and, I don't know. And how was that? I mean. <laughs> I think it was, it was Madame Bovary. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. And sometimes I'll, I, I don't know. I shouldn't be allowed in the library because I, I am one of those people that I, I want to read a certain kind of book. I want to read the Christopher Pike but I know in my head that I should be reading Anna Karenina because I haven't read it. Like, do you know what I'm saying? So I'll right. pick, I'll have like the two books and then I'll read the, the juicy one real fast. Oh then, yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh about. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, but do you, do you still like, did you get to a certain age or at some point in your life when you say, you know what? I I don't care about pretending to be interested in books that, I think you're supposed to pretend to be interested in or to finish books that you start that you don't end up liking or anything like that. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. And this is interesting because you're in grad school, but I, I dated someone for, I had a serious boyfriend before I met my husband who was in grad school uh, at UC Berkeley and he was an English major. And that was the, probably one of the hardest times in my life because I was living in Berkeley, but I was not in school and he was, and everyone was so well read and I felt so inferior all the time. They had read everything and I was just, you know, and I, I was like, well, I've read all of these true crime novels. You don't know. I know everything. You should have hit them with, this. I've read all, you should have hit them with, I've read every Archie comic. Oh, I know I really should. You can learn a lot. Well, I think there's, you know, grad students are famous for performing a certain kind of intelligence that often claims to be well-read in things they may not necessarily have actually read. So, 
That makes me feel better. Do you think? Yeah. Like you just basically like if you went into true crime profiling, I I have experience with grad school profiling. So when you hit me with I dated a grad student who studied English, like I already kind of like knew who that person was. Okay. You should be (laughs) you actually are the healthy person in that probably equation. So Oh, you... but it was it was a rough few it was a rough year it was a rough two years <laughs> yeah I did, but I did and so I did like sort of try to absorb as much as I could and read all the, oh and both of his his family was all in academia so it was just like I felt oh, like I was God. so behind and I had spent like all of these reading I mean I after the thing happened with Riley it was a chunk of time I mean it was probably at least a year where that's all I read so it was a lot and then. I still sort of would pick up those books like that was still it it was definitely yeah I wasn't really going for uh, I've had that occasional step out to Madame Bovary and stuff like that but it was I don't know it was still interesting to me those books are easy to read you know they're they're fascinating they keep they hold your interest but I'm also a really bad reader are you a bad reader what does that mean I mean I don't talk to any, if I'm in the middle of a book, I don't, it's really hard for me to put it down. Oh yeah. I sort of have to finish it. Oh yeah. I, okay. You, you are. Okay. I'm with you. I was up <laughs> okay. till 2 a.m. this morning finishing a book, could not put it down. <gasps> really? Okay. Oh yeah. That's good. Cause I, I feel bad. I, I'm almost rude sometimes. I'm like, no, I, I can't. And then I'll sort of, I don't almost want to even make dinner because I'll have the book sitting next to me and then I'll be reading and trying to make something. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, it's really bad. It's really bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was bad when the Harry Potters came, too. I was not great. Yeah, well, not... speaking of making dinner, I remember reading, I got, remember when Amazon would send you the Harry Potter book the day it came out if you pre-ordered it? Mm-hmm. So I got the last Harry Potter book the day it came out delivered to my parents house and I was in charge of making dinner that night and they wanted me to grill steaks outside and I remember I put the steaks on the grill and I'd been reading all day and I was very close to being done and all of a sudden I see someone in my peripheral vision run past me towards the grill and I'd completely burned dinner and it actually caught on fire (laughs) Oh my gosh. And yeah. this is book seven? Yeah. This is, this is the seventh? This oh yeah. This is the seventh. I can totally see it. Of course you did. Oh. And you, based... So you're a big fan, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Harry Potter and I have the same birthday. I have oh. to be a fan. Oh my God. You yeah. do? Yeah. July 31st. That is amazing. You know that Kimberly and I on the cruise that we went on, the Ridiculous Booze cruise, mm-hmm. we we went to the Harry Potter, Potter trivia. I don't know if we talked about it. But oh, my gosh. But it was us and a bunch of children and a drunk friend of ours who kept shouting out the wrong answer. And Kimberly was about to murder her. I mean, it was going to be a dateline. She was so mad. But we lost. And Kimberly was devastated and kind of can't get over it. Talks wow. about it, how we need to have like a rematch. We need to go back on the cruise. Yeah. And I was like, well, Kimberly, the person that won was, you know, 14. And <laughs> that's good for them. They need the little trophy more than sure. you do. And she was not having it. No. She was devastated. Yeah. Wow. Because we went through when we, when, oh, it wasn't seven. I think it was when five came out, when five was released, we, yeah, cause five is, 
not Goblet of Fire. What's five? Um, uh, oh Order of the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. When Order of the Phoenix came out and it was so big, we were living together at the time. And so we were doing um, chapter by chapter. So we'd both read the chapter and then we'd get together and discuss. And then we'd both read the next chapter and then Aww. meet up in the middle because I lived in sort of a renovated garage and she lived in the house and then we'd meet between the two and sit in chairs and discuss and we did it for like 48 hours that's amazing (laughs) yeah we're really into it it's fun and I still reread them do you reread them still oh yeah I I just reread them this year in fact and then I watched the movies so how do you feel about the movies you feel good (sighs) I mean I think the movies get better as they go but I was really, I'd never read the books and then watched the films like really close after finishing reading. And this time I did that. And mm-hmm. I was really shocked at how many choices they make in the last films, the last two that are different from the books kind of for no reason. Yeah. And that annoyed me. So like, where are you at with that? I need to rewatch the last two, the the double, the double final films yeah. the, because I... I haven't watched them because I don't think I liked it. So I was like, I'm not going to watch this again, but I need to rewatch it. Um, I think I, I just have, I have such a, you know, like most people that read, right. You have such a, an imagination behind it. that You see the characters in your head. So yeah. really the only person that matched for me, I, I did think Hermione was a good match for what I pictured to be honest. Yeah. I liked that. I thought Emma Watson was great, but I never, I just never thought Harry was that strong. I just kind of couldn't get behind Daniel Radcliffe. And I, I do like him. I think he did fine, but he wasn't what I wanted for that, for Harry Potter. And yeah. that was a bummer. Yeah. That's a, it's tough when you watch a movie and it's not what you had imagined in your mind and right exactly it's well it's like when I finally do the Hamilton thing that Kimberly's dying to have me do I, I know I'm going to listen to the soundtrack and then I'm going to go see it and it's going to be different and I'm going to be confused because <laughs> they're not going to sound like the soundtrack it's you know that, right yeah it's, I it's mean, not going to be exactly the same yeah yeah but I need to do I think I'm ready I think I'm due for a reread on Harry Potter but I'm the worst on those and I, I've done it once with my husband and he gets upset because I sort of just hold up and I'm like, no, I can't. I have to finish. <laughs> it's a real commitment. Yeah. You almost have to like go into hiding and just do it. Yeah. Kind of. It's what, and then, oh, especially on the last one, especially with Snape, this Snape and the, I just think that was so well done. I just loved it. I loved it so much. Did you cry? Did you get upset? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And my best friend actually just read Harry Potter for the first time this year. Mm-hmm. When we, when I just reread it, it was with her and she read JK Rowling's crime novels first. Like, I don't know if you've what? read those. What? Yeah. Stop. And basically she was like, yeah, I don't know. Based on these other books, I may check out Harry Potter. I'm not sure. I need to be convinced. So have you what dipped? <laughs> what needed to be convinced? What, uh, what does she not like? She's the kind of person that if something is really hyped, she like is skeptical of it or she just has to find things in her own time, I think. But it's it's been a real process because I really love those books. And oh, that's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. Tough. And here she was yeah. reading Casual Vacancy, but not Harry Potter. 
for what's many happening years. No. it's tough you know i don't know it's tough have you had anybody by the way on your podcast yet i didn't see anything but maybe i missed it that that covers like these cyber crime books do you know what i'm talking about no they're sort of like sci-fi genre tell me but tell me more. my husband is so into them sorry i'm staring at his bedside right now that has like six different books here and they're all it's like insane titles mm-hmm. but they're these this bizarre genre they're like what what is this called Oh my goodness! What in the world? The Iron Druid Chronicles? I don't even know. I don't know what. This, what do these those are. words mean? I don't even I, know. <laughs> this is the Soul Eater series. <laughs> this is, and they're all this very, very bizarre genre. Anyways, okay, I wanted to know if you knew anything about it because I have not read any of his books, and I'm sort of scared of them. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like your fears are warranted. Maybe he should come on the show and talk about that whole genre. He might be I don't next. know. He no, probably not. I try to get him to talk. I try to get him to talk, and he he won't do it. Not happening. But I try to get him on the podcast. Now it's not happening. But he. Oh, by the way, you've done Gone Girl, right? Kimberly's oh, yeah. favorite book. Oh, She'd be yeah. mad if I didn't ask. Okay. Oh yeah, deep into Gone Girl. So good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Have you read The Girl on the Train? Oh yeah. Oh, oh I haven't yeah. done it yet. Okay, I have it sitting here. Is it good? Am I going to be happy? You're going to be into it. You're going to be into it. And you should email me or call me when you're done reading it because I have a lot of thoughts on it. So. Oh, oh God. Do you have yeah. a favorite, by the way? What's your favorite book? Uh, of all time? Um, I don't know. It's tough for me to pick just one. I just, I don't know. I mean. Do you have a favorite genre? Uh, probably fiction broadly mm-hmm. but i'll read kind of whatever i the cyber stuff probably not gonna happen and no it's weird stay I away can't do i'm that. telling you the covers are crazy it's like men with lots of watches oh, they're boy. very steampunk they're very steampunked out it's steampunk <laughs> yeah it's really i don't bad. think that's gonna work out <laughs> he's gonna wow. be so mad at me that i'm making Oh, no. I mean, I, uh, my girlfriend and I just went to the movies two weeks ago, maybe longer than that. And this man was at working at the movie theater, taking the tickets and he introduced himself to us. He was wearing a bow tie made of steel that he'd made himself made of actual steel. And it had steel ocean life scenes on it. Like there was an octopus. And then he whips out his business card and lets us know, I'm a steampunk event planner. If you two have any events that need to be planned, just keep me in mind. And yes, I did make this bow tie. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, as what's someone, his name? Or I, what's his like? Does he have like a, a fake name? Did he have like a Mr. Sure so-and-so? He or did, but I was just so taken aback. It was like I couldn't really take it all in at the same time, if it makes sense. I took the business card. I don't know where it is right now. I'd go grab it and try to remember what his event planning business was called. But oh I mean, as this someone, is what happens. Yeah, this is what this is my life. Like, this is the kind of people I meet. Oh my God. No, you, he's, he's a theater major. He's a, he's a theater major. And this is theater majors either realize that they can't make a mon- make money doing theater. So they teach drama or they become this gentleman uh-huh. with the bow tie, or they go back to school and become a pharmacist, which is what a lot of people <laughs> I know did. Really? Yeah. They just went back to school and were like, all right, I'm changing careers completely. 
I'm going to wow. be a botanist. I'm going to be this. Yeah. All the time. Oh my God. Or they're like me and they go into, <laughs> they go into I don't know, podcasting. Yeah. Podcasting with my friends. It still remains to be seen to me of choosing to start a podcast is a sign of health or a cry for help. And I'm just talking about myself. Really? What made you decide to start? Um, Well, I was doing research on books as medicine, um, the history of people using books as medicine. And I was going around different archives and doing research. And I would meet all these librarians and archivists and people. And they would say, I've never heard of this word bibliotherapy that you're studying. But I did read this book when I was super depressed in my 20s, like an Evelyn Waugh novel or something, and and tell me really personal stories. And I just thought, wow, these stories are so interesting. I just love having these conversations with people. So I just started recording them. That's how it started. That's cool. It's really neat. It's really, really fascinating. And you're, it's really cool. So like when I was listening, I really enjoyed it. I like to hear other people's stuff, especially when it's when it's stuff that I like hearing what people read in their childhood, too. That's always really fascinating because I feel like it sort of informs things that happen later. Right. What you're interested in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, this has been really fascinating. I hope I helped. I hope I didn't ramble. No, it was great. It was amazing. I'm so appreciative for you coming on and sharing what I know is like a personal story that must be, if not difficult, just kind of like weird to talk about or just like maybe it's not something you bring up in conversation, but I'm happy that you are willing to share it with me. Oh, it's no problem. No problem at all. I don't. Yeah, it was good to talk about. I don't, I've never really told the story. I'd like to thank our guest, Katie, for sharing her story with us. I'd also like to thank our technical director, Taylor, for all of her help. Check out A Date with Dateline, a truly excellent Dateline recap show that will also make you laugh and wish you were friends with Katie and Kimberly. You can follow us on Instagram, at ChaptersPod. There you'll find shelfies submitted by our guests. You can find us on Twitter at ChaptersPod. You can find me at MaryMahoney123 and Taylor at MJTThePhD. Visit our website, www.chapterspod.com, if you'd like to share your story on Chapters. You can also find links to every book mentioned on this and every episode on our website. Follow our page on Facebook and you can get updates on the show and join conversations about each episode with other listeners. If you enjoy our show, please rate and review us in the iTunes store. It really helps listeners find our show. Thanks for listening.